to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee. Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI on what is a beautiful autumn weekend. You know, October is one of my very favorite times of the year as the season starts to change. And of course, we've got college football back in Knoxville, so go Big Orange today. Uh, now, of course, October's a time we, we really want to focus on women's health. You know, October is Breast and Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. So really, it's a great month to really think about women's health and discuss it. You know, one in eight women will develop breast cancer in her lifetime. And over 20,000 women in 2020 will be diagnosed with ovarian cancer. You know, we all have women in our lives that we care deeply about, our mothers, our sisters, our wives, our daughters, and our friends. I know women tend to be the primary caregivers, and they often put the needs of others ahead of themselves. And many women put their personal health last on the to-do list. But it's, it's very, so many of us depend on the women in our lives, and it's important they take care of themselves. Today on our show, we have Dr. Nilesh Patel joining us again. He was with us last year. Uh, he's a radiation oncologist at Tanova. And uh, he's going to talk to us about women's health get, guidelines, cancer prevention, and much more. Uh, good morning, Dr. Patel. Welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Hey, good morning, Jim. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. How are, how are things going for you this fall? How are the challenges in your practice with uh, all the COVID-19 precautions? Um, how are things going for you? And what are you seeing on well, the healthcare landscape? Well, um, you know, obviously, you know, we are all facing a whole new, um, you know, challenges with, with COVID-19. Um, in our specialty, you know, um, cancer patients needing radiation, that is not something that can be put off. So we continue to uh, treat our patients, and they still come in to get the necessary treatment for their, um, for their medical issues. But obviously, uh, given the kind of population that we deal with, uh, high-risk patients, uh, we definitely take all the necessary precautions to keep uh, our patients, our staff, all the personnel involved safe, um, you know, with uh, masking, um, social distancing, um, you know, hand washing, all the things that are needed to try to uh, keep everyone uh, um, from getting the virus uh, as much as possible. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's dive into women's health. I know that uh, women tend to access the health system more frequently than men, but they also have more routine screenings and exams due to reproductive health. So. Let's start with routine exams, Dr. Patel. What are the exams every woman should have, and what are the frequencies? Because, you know, that's changed over the years. So talk to us about the guidelines now, and when should women start having screenings? Sure. So obviously things can uh, change over time as, uh, as the medical field gets, uh, you know, new data and whatnot. But given that this is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, 
you know, the typical guidelines, if you look at the American Cancer Society, is typically to begin screening mammograms at age 40. Now, that comes with a caveat because, obviously, if there is a strong family history, you know, with multiple members um, being diagnosed with breast cancer, um, then that can change, you know, the, the age of when we should start screening sooner. And then, obviously, in terms of, you know, routine physical examinations, um, you know, recommendations are for women to do a self-breast um, exam you know, every month just to get a feel of their um, breast anatomy and to see if there's any change, like a new lump or a new uh, mass they can feel or just a change in how their breast feels. And then if that comes up, then obviously, you know, call, go and see your, uh, your doctor or your physician or your primary care provider just to get checked out to make sure it's not anything more that needs uh, further investigation. You know, when I was preparing for this, you know, looking at Mayo Clinic, American Cancer Society, you know, I think different physicians even, and, so, and certainly maybe even different insurance companies, it seems like some say 40, some say 45. What do you prefer? You, you just said 40. Is that where you prefer unless there's a family history? Yeah, so I think um, for me personally, and mainly there may be a bias because I see breast cancer patients all the time and treat them. Um, and so sometimes we see younger women, you know, much younger than 40, get diagnosed. So I think at least as long as there's no other risk factors or any, any other physical manifestations that come up, um, I feel at least a baseline mammogram at 40 is reasonable. Um, and then depending on how that shows, they may not need it every year necessarily up front. But as you said, sometimes insurance companies may dictate when certain things can happen which um, can sometimes put a hindrance on things. So, We're visiting Dr. Nilesh Patel. We're talking about women's health. He's a radiation oncologist at Tenova Healthcare. And Dr. Patel, according to caregiver.com, women provide the majority of informal care to spouses, parents, in-laws, friends, neighbors. We all know that. You know, they play many roles while caregiving. They're you know, they're a care manager, they're a friend, they're a companion. But you mentioned the importance of self-care. Can you just expand on the importance of being sure, you know, you said monthly doing kind of a self-exam. Just talk about the importance of women's self, you know, looking internally at self-care when it comes to disease prevention. Yeah, so that's a, that's a great point, Jim. You know, many times, Unfortunately, in our society, you know, we're on the go, uh, always doing things. And, and like you said, women as a, as, a, as a whole are typically the ones that, you know, make the house go, keep the family together. And uh, they're so engaged in all aspects of life that sometimes, you know, we tend to forget to take care of ourselves personally. And we know in most things in terms of our health, you know, prevention um, is the key in terms of making sure nothing gets out of hand. And sometimes we may tend to forget or not necessarily forget, but not put that as a priority. So obviously um, as, as, a, as a patient or as a female, you want to do the things to try to keep your health as optimized as possible. And that includes, you know, things that we always know, diet and exercise, but particularly for women's health issues such as breast cancer, you know, like you said, ovarian cancer, cervical cancer, you know, screening and um, just being aware of your body are very important things. So, you know, doing regular checkups, you know, like I said, self-breast examinations, 
um, regular follow-up with your primary care physician to make sure you're getting the screening examinations like pap smears and things like that, checking on your blood work. Those are all important screening factors. But once again, you know, in this hectic lifestyle we live in, sometimes we may not eat well, we may not eat healthy. So these are all other points that, you know, how to best manage those things so that we can optimize our health. Yeah, hey, let's talk about diet and exercise. You know, those are environmental factors. It's, and, you know, it, it, doctors tend to, seems like, kind of run the whole gamut on what they believe about diet and cancer and even exercise. It certainly seems to me that when we eat more healthy, that means we have less inflammation in the body. seems like if we have more inflammation, I'm not a doctor, of course, but it seems like if we have more inflammation, that can't be good for the potential for cancer, but some doctors say, you know, no. What do you say in terms of the importance of a clean diet and keeping things like blood sugar under control, you know, uh, triglycerides to keep the inflammation in our body down? Am I barking up the right tree there? No, absolutely, Jim. There's a, actually a lot of uh, really good data that continues to come out that really shows that certain conditions that can lead to, uh, you know, a higher inflammatory state, like you were mentioning, in your body does seem to increase your risk for cancer in general and malignancy. So we've definitely seen an association with uh, diabetes, obesity, any of these kind of factors that can lead to a higher inflammatory state. So anything that can help control that will automatically help mitigate some of those risks in terms of developing cancer. So we often say that, you know, we just have to keep your diet under good control. Um, like you said, your blood sugars, make sure you're, if you have diabetes, make sure it's, uh, the blood sugars are well controlled. Um, but try to prevent that from happening, right? Uh, make sure you're sure. At, a, at, a, at a good weight. Um, so all those factors do play a role in terms of cancer development as well. Yeah, I think we can all learn from that. We're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel, and we're going to talk more women's health when we come back. And, you know, the breast cancer five-year survival rate is close to 100% if it is detected in its earliest stage. So what are some other things that doctors can do to help screen for this uh, disease? So stay with us. We'll also get into other women's health issues as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author, and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865 862 6800 or on the web at BroganFinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living. Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan, your host. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And uh, we're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. He is uh, a radiation oncologist over at Tenova Healthcare. And we're talking about women's health. 
Of course, October is both Breast Cancer and Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, I know the women in our lives, the women in my lives, in my life, certainly uh, are very selfless. They put, you know, others first, especially my wife. Oh, my goodness. So selfless. And But our, our, the people we love, the women in our lives, need to take care of themselves. And we're talking about the importance of women's health and catching things earlier. I mentioned there, Dr. Patel, about... You know that if, if if cancer is caught, breast cancer is detected in its earliest stage, the five-year survival rate is close to 100%. Now, you mentioned the mammograms that are, of course, the standard for detecting breast cancer. What other tools uh, can doctors use for screening for breast cancer? Well, um, like you said, the mainstay in terms of in terms of the actual detecting, uh, detect, detecting of uh, breast cancer, like you said, is is mammograms or some type of breast imaging, which could include breast ultrasound or breast MRI, and those those tests could be done based on you know kind of what's being indicated. Um, again, in terms of um, women, what they can do to self-diagnose if there's any potential problem is obviously um, you know self-breast exam where they feel on their breast once a month just to see if there's any new lumps or hard areas or change in how the breast is looking or even if there's like a skin rash that doesn't seem to be related to any, you know, contact or irritation. So those are kind of factors that we can look to see in terms of how to detect. But obviously being in tune just with like family history, you know, has mom or sister or aunts or anyone, you know, been diagnosed with any breast conditions. Uh, you know, even benign breast conditions like assists or those kind of things that could, you know, lend to a uh, possibility of more breast issues down the line. And so if those things are present in the family, that might prompt uh, your doctor to begin the screening process with mammograms sooner than, than later. So those are things to be quite aware of. Now, Dr. Patel, um, you know, some women have certain genetic mutations that have a much higher lifetime risk of the disease. I know close to 60%, I think, of women with the, what's it called, the BRCA mutation, BRCA, will develop breast cancer before age 70. Uh, what, when should women consider getting genetic testing for, for mutations like this? Yeah, that's a great, uh, great point. Um, like you said, so BRCA um, is a genetic mutation um, that can be seen, and that definitely um, significantly increases, uh, you know, a woman's risk of developing breast cancer if they have that mutation. So obviously, it, this is not something that you know we screen all women for if they have that mutation, but we do see if there are certain risk factors, such as family history being the biggest one. Are there members? Uh, in the family that, have, that were diagnosed with breast cancer at a young age, um, multiple members, you know, a direct uh, relative like your sister or your mother. Um, also, if there's other types of cancers in the family, such as pancreatic cancer or stomach cancer, if those things are present, that also may make you a candidate to get screening um, for genetic mutations. So, you know, having a family history is a is a mainstay in terms of learning your about your risk. Yeah, sure. Let, let's then, let's like, try to interrupt, but you know, if someone is diagnosed with BRCA mutation, then that definitely changes uh, how we screen. You know, we screen at a much younger age, 
at a much more stricter interval to make sure we can pick up on those things. Sure. Um, and so that definitely would change, you know, how our guidelines would, would be for those patients. Now let's uh, let's talk a little bit as we visit with Dr. Nilesh Patel, radiation oncologist at Tanova Healthcare. Let's let's transition into cervical cancer. You know, screening for cervical cancer starts at a much younger age, and it used to be women would be recommended to get a Pap smear annually with their gynecological exams. I guess current recommendations, I believe, are every three years. Are there any misconceptions about Pap smears and their ability to detect cervical cancers? So actually, pap smear is one of these breakthrough screening tests that uh, when it has been applied, you know, it has definitely detected cervical cancer at a much earlier stage and has allowed um, much better treatment when caught early and has improved survival dramatically for, for women. And because of the ability to detect uh, um, cervical cancer sooner, you're right that traditionally it had been where pap smears were recommended on an annual basis. But if a woman's pap smears have been negative, then generally they don't have to get screened every single year as long as there's no uh, worrisome findings. With cervical cancer, there's a whole spectrum before you actually get invasive cervical cancer. We often call it precancerous lesions. And so, you know, those things could be detected on a pap smear, and that may require, well, no, we need to check this more regularly on like an annual basis. But if those, are, if those kind of pre-malignant findings are not seen, then every three years seems to be quite adequate for, in terms of screening. Now, we've had recently the HPV vaccine that's been widely introduced into the healthcare market to help prevent certain strains of HPV that can cause cervical cancer. And it seems it's more, more recommended for younger women, uh, but even maybe for boys. I mean, what are your opinions on the HPV vaccine, what are the rules of thumb there that you believe in uh, in terms of how to use this vaccine effectively? Yeah, so by far the majority of uh, cervical cancers in women are essentially um, HV, HPV positive, meaning that the HPV vaccine was a primary driver of the development of that cervical cancer. And you know, multiple studies have come out showing that preventing HPV infection does significantly reduce the risk of developing cervical cancer and, in fact, can prevent it. And so that is something definitely to consider for all young women to consider getting uh, vaccinated against the HPV virus. Um, you know, that can be done um, in a discussion and communication with, uh, with your pediatrician because oftentimes these vaccines are started you know, during the teenage years uh, for women. And so that's something to strongly consider because it is effective. It does help reduce the risk of developing cervical cancer. Is there an age at which, I mean, is it only young women that would get that vaccine? No, actually we're seeing um, as studies come out that, you know, some women that are older could become, could become candidates for taking the vaccine, um, but primarily we see that, see that the, the, a lot of the data and a lot of the studies have been done in terms of starting vaccination at a younger age. But it's not out of the realm of doing that. And as we get more data, we may see even more, we may see even continued benefit in older women getting vaccinated as well. Now, how do you feel about uh, teenage boys being encouraged to get the vaccine to reduce the potential spread to their future wives? So, um, you know, that's definitely something that's being studied. And, you know, in terms of uh, HPV, um, 
like we're talking about breast, uh, sorry, women's um, health, um, primarily we think about cervical cancer and whatnot, but HPV also is a factor in developing, um, you know, um, we call oral cancers as well. And so, you know, men can transmit it to women and vice versa. So that is also something that's being utilized in, in, in teenagers, both uh, girls and boys, to help, you know, prevent this transmission of HPV, which we know is a cancer um, factor. You know, vaccines for a lot of people, Dr. Patel, are kind of controversial. Yeah. You know, how safe is HPV vaccine? How do you feel about all that? Do you see potential for other ca- ca- cancer vaccines in the future? Yeah, so obviously, you know, when a vaccine comes out uh, onto the market, there's been rigorous testing. You know, we say phase one, phase two, phase three trials to look at the safety, uh, the efficacy, and the long-term outcome and risks involved with those vaccines. So once those things have come out on the market, there's a lot of data showing not just the effectiveness but the safety profile. Now, obviously, can someone have some, you know, unusual effect from the vaccine? You know, that's always a possibility. But the vast majority of, of people that get a vaccine, you know, don't have long-term problems, and it shows the benefits. You know, obviously, with vaccination, we've eliminated diseases like smallpox and polio, and so they are effective. And so that is something that, you know, um, you know should be considered for all patients that are candidates. And like you said, in terms of for cancer specifically, there's a lot of research in terms of how can we, you know, defeat cancer. And obviously, traditionally, we look at methods such as surgery, radiation, which I um, oversee, um, chemotherapy, but also, you know, vaccinations in terms of your immune system, immunotherapy. Well, how can we have your body, just like it can fight an infection, can we have your body fight off cancer or prevent that from even developing? So there's a lot of research looking at these, you know, mechanisms. Can, you know, we use your immune system um, to be able to fight off cancer, whatever type it may be? Sure. So for HPV, because, you know, it's kind of scary to think of a 12 or 13-year-old daughter getting a HPV vaccine. I mean, that to me as a father seems kind of scary, but what I'm hearing from you is, the benefits over are overwhelming as compared to the risks. Yes, and, and obviously, you know, you want to have a, just a frank discussion with your doctor to talk about those things, to, to learn about, you know, what are the concerns, to voice your concerns, and to have that open discussion. You know, and that's always key so that, you know, you learn and know, you know, what are the benefits, what are the risks. Um, but as we've seen in, in, in our data in, in, in the cancer field, that it significantly reduces the risk of developing um, HP-related cancers, uh, mainly cervical cancer. We're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's a radiation oncologist at Tenova Healthcare. We're talking about women's health. And when we come back, we're going to talk about treatment protocol and other lifestyle issues. Uh, also, we're going to have our dollars and cents segment. What is the number one expense you will ever have in your, that you will have over the entirety of your lifetime, and how can you reduce that expense? Because that expense is likely to, re- to increase maybe dramatically in the future. So stay tuned as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
America's weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College, Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and October is one of my favorite times of year. And boy, what a beautiful fall weekend we're gonna we're having here. Hopefully, our Tennessee Vols will pull us on to victory. We're uh, visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel. Of course, we we uh, we're talking about women's health. He is a radiation oncologist at Tenova Healthcare. Of course, October is Breast Cancer and Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. So we're going to get into uh, more great stuff with Dr. Patel. Before we do get back to him, however, it is time for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. What is the number one expense you and I will ever have over the course of our entire lifetimes? It's not your health care. It's not your house. It is your income taxes, and it's really not even close. Income taxes are far and away the greatest expense we have. Now, the good news is, in retirement, we typically have more control over our income taxes than at any other time in our lives, especially in the sweet spot between retirement age and age 72. Now, why 72? Because that's when you have to begin those required minimum distributions from your IRAs, 401ks, and other retirement accounts at a clip of about 4% per year, roughly. So you've got to start paying income tax on that money. And now, many people throughout their 70s and 80s have great tax planning opportunities. But the bottom line is, most people that I talk to in my office, and, and even that attend my classes at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College, have a tremendous opportunity to impact their tax bill. And tax planning is very, very different than tax preparation. You know, every year in the spring, typically, we do our tax preparation with our CPAs. But that is looking into the rearview mirror. We're looking at numbers that have already been generated, and there's, no, there's nothing we can do to ungenerate those numbers. Tax planning, to the contrary, is looking forward and being very intentional about the income taxes that we pay. You can be extremely intentional in terms of how you draw income, where you draw it from, your social security strategy can affect your income taxes, uh, how you invest your money. Certainly, your non-IRA investments can have an impact on your income taxes. So a lot of that can be very intentional. Many people we work with can realize 0% gains on long-term capital gains with effective planning in the early years of retirement. And, you know, if you're close to retirement or in your retirement and you don't have a tax plan, you need to get one. It literally could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your retirement. You know, our country is spending money like never before. 
And there are a lot of parallels between what we're doing to spend money with the pandemic versus World War II. And if you look back in the 50s, highest income tax rates were over 90%. For 18 years, income taxes, the highest tax rate was over 80%, and most of those years after World War II were over 90%. And they were as high as 70% in, the, in, in most of the 80s, all the way from 80 to 86. So you don't want to be caught off guard. At Brogan Financial, we build tax strategies into retirement and investment plans designed for you to keep more of your gains. So don't be caught off guard. <coughs> Uh, be sure you have a tax plan. If you would like a tax analysis, uh, we can do that either virtually or in person. Give us a call at 865-862-6800. Again, that's 862-6800 or visit us online at broganfinancial.com. We are happy to give you a complimentary tax review and show how you might could impact uh, your tax bill over time to the tune of maybe tens of thousands of dollars. That's our Dollars and Cents segment for this week. You can find this week's Dollars and Cents segment and others by visiting BroganFinancial.com. Please do check us out at BroganFinancial.com. Uh, you can sign up for our weekly e-newsletter where we keep you informed. All we do in the e-newsletter is provide links to content that we've generated for that week. And I have to tell you, I've got a report that I have just written and published, and it'll be coming out later this week. The election, federal stimulus, and the stock market. You definitely won't want to miss that report um, that I'm publishing. And again, it'll be out later this week. But you can go onto my website, and if you sign up for our e-newsletter blast, uh, then we'll, you'll be notified as soon as we have that article ready. You can also follow us at Facebook. Uh, there's links on our website, again, broganfinancial.com. You can also find out about our future upcoming classes. Uh, we also have some great resources on the website. If you click on the resources tab, we got some short video blogs, four or five-minute tips of how you can be successful in retirement. Today, we're talking about women's health. Uh, the women in our lives are so important to us, and oftentimes they don't make themselves the priority. They're so focused take caring, taking care of their kids, their husbands, their, their parents, their in-laws, and, uh, you know, they need to take care of themselves. So we're talking about the importance of women's health with Dr. Nilesh Patel. He's with uh, Tanova Healthcare. He's a radiation oncologist. And let's talk about uh, ovarian cancer. You know, there's not a screening test for ovarian cancer, to my knowledge, Dr. Patel. What are the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer, and how can women protect themselves? Yeah, unfortunately, you're right. There's not a good screening test for ovarian cancer, like mammograms for breast cancer or, you know, colonoscopy for um, colon cancers. But uh, generally, in terms of ovarian cancer, because there's not a good screening test, a lot of times... Um, you know, it's diagnosed at a, at a later stage. Typically, the symptoms you worry about are, you know, abdominal or pelvic symptoms such as pain or, or bloating, a change in bowel habits, nausea, and then obviously anything um, really dramatic like, uh, you know, vaginal bleeding, um, especially postmenopausal bleeding. Those are all things that need to be, um, you know, checked out as soon as possible. Yeah, so just being in tune to what's, as you said earlier, what's right. going on with your body, right? right. right. Now, you're exactly. a radiation oncologist. 
So less invasive technology and targeted therapies are constantly being studied and becoming more and more attractive. What are some of the new treatments out there for breast, cervical, and ovarian cancers? So um, in terms of um, you know, breast cancer itself, uh, generally the mainstay in terms of treatment is either a combination of surgery, radiation therapy, or chemotherapy, depending on the stage of disease. Typically, for early-stage breast cancers, the um, first step is removal of the, the primary tumor in the breast, and that can be done uh, either with what we call a lumpectomy, which is just removal of the tumor, and then you preserve the breast, or having a mastectomy, which is you know um, surgically removing the entire breast. And then typically, women that undergo breast conservation, where they just have the lumpectomy alone, then we will offer radiation therapy typically after that, mainly to reduce the risk of breast cancer coming back in that breast. Um, Like you said, uh, as advancements have happened, you know, surgical techniques have improved where, you know, typically in the older days, most women would undergo a mastectomy, but now we can often preserve their breast uh, with a good cosmetic outcome. Uh, Even in women that we may recommend mastectomy because they may have like we touched on earlier, the, the, the BRCA mutation, or they have a large breast cancer and you just cannot preserve the breast, you know, reconstruction has allowed, you know, um, women to kind of uh, have a new breast after their breast cancer treatment and feel whole again in that sense. And then in terms of radiation therapy, um, we've come a long way in terms of how we deliver radiation treatment um, with less side effects, less uh, target area, essentially, Before, you often had to treat the entire breast for over a six-week period, um, which would be once a day over that time frame. But then as um, techniques have improved and indications have changed, women with early-stage breast cancer, we can often shorten their treatment sometimes up to one or two weeks and be very focused just to the target area. And so that leads to less side effects, less uh, long-term problems and issues. So as we continue to learn and as things evolve, our treatment techniques continue to improve and we can lead to better outcomes for our patients. You know, when you talk about radiation therapy, you know, there's, talk to us a little bit about the difference in the traditional delivery of the radiation versus using proton therapy to deliver the radiation. Because certainly proton therapy has become very, very much talked about in the ability to isolate tumors and, and have minimal residual damage. Can you compare and contrast a little bit the strengths and the weaknesses of those two treatments? Sure. So when we talk about uh, traditional radiation therapy, generally what we're using is high-energy x-rays, kind of as the medium uh, that will deliver the radiation to the target area. And proton therapy is doing the same kind of uh, thing in terms of delivering radiation But instead of utilizing x-rays, it's utilizing proton particles. So they're both invisible beams being delivered to a target area. Um, In theory, the proton therapy was felt that could it be a better treatment because at the end of that beam, typically there's a sharper fall-off. So the thought was could that reduce, um, you know, exposure to the normal tissue. But if you look at compared to traditional radiation, that would be the case, but x-ray therapy has advanced, particularly over the last uh, uh, 10 years, in terms of how that technique is being delivered 
Um, you know, if you do research on it, there's techniques called IMRT, called intensity modulated radiation therapy, uh, VMAT, called volumetric arc therapy. And these are all advancements in terms of treatment delivery where X-ray radiation or photon radiation, we call it, um, has significantly improved in terms of sparing the surrounding tissues. So a lot of times, if you compare proton therapy plans and, you know, these modern X-ray radiation plans, there's not a lot of difference in terms of how the, the plans look and in terms of side effects. But, yes, you're right. There are definitely indications where proton therapy may be a, a better choice. You know, certain spine tumors, certain brain tumors, uh, a lot of pediatric tumors in kids, you know, those are indications where proton therapy would may be a better choice. But for the vast majority of uh, cancer diagnosis, you know, modern X-ray radiation techniques uh, are very effective with great outcomes and um, and 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 less uh, long-term side effects than previously before. And I guess the medical technology development, Dr. Patel, you know, I guess. You know, I don't know this. You can touch on this. I've heard this, but the, you know, the tr the protocol today versus five years ago is just exponential improvement from what I've heard. And then, what will that be over the next five years? I would guess that we would continue to see tremendous uh, innovation in treatment of all cancers. Right, and and it's always hard to know and hard to predict in the in the future. But just like. Um, you know, five years ago, what our smartphones could do and what our smartphones and our iPhones can do today, uh, it's just amazing, right? We literally have a computer in our pockets all the time. Um, so the same thing with, um, you know, medical treatment, cancer treatment, uh, as innovation and technology continues to push forward, uh, we're going to see, um, you know, better treatments, newer treatments, and even traditional treatments will be um, improved upon so that you know, we can try to eliminate the cancer and then minimize side effects so that our cancer patients can have good long-term quality of life after they've defeated their cancer. And so that's the ultimate aim. You know, we, don't, yeah, we just don't want to... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely what it's all about. We're visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel and talking about women's health here in Breast and Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, he's with Tenova Healthcare, radiation oncologist. When we come back, we're going to talk about the lifestyle impact, the emotional side of it, and resources here in Knoxville that can help you. So stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit BroganFinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to More Living. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan. Uh, we've been visiting with Dr. Nilesh Patel about women's health. He's a radiation oncologist of, at Tenova Healthcare. He's been very, very generous with his time. Always great to visit with Dr. Patel. Uh, it, do check us out online, broganfinancial.com. We archive all of our shows. 
You can podcast those shows right there at our website, broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. Uh, also, if you click on the on the resources tab, we have a brand new page called Brogan University, and it is four three to five minute videos on various topics, things like reducing taxes in retirement, how to provide stability of income in the short term in volatile market conditions, with growth of income in long in the long term to fight inflation. It's all kinds of great topics. You can also sign up for our e newsletter. Uh, to stay informed of when we post different videos and research reports. Uh, Dr. Nilesh Patel, let's talk about the emotional side of this. You know, cancer, regardless of your age, can be very scary. And if you get diagnosed, you know, how does your mental state, Dr. Patel, impact how you respond to treatment? Can you talk a little bit about the tidal wave of emotions and how you sort through that uh, to attack it uh, in the right emotional state in a challenging time? Right. So obviously, uh, the cancer diagnosis itself can be just the devastating, uh, you know, information that you, you receive. And it can be overwhelming. And that's quite natural. You know, first of all, you know, you know, the women that I treat that get diagnosed with breast cancer, and they come and get treatment, you know, it's perfectly natural to feel these wave of emotions, you know, um, you know, overwhelming in terms of why me or denial, how is this happening or how did, why did this happen to me or, you know, is this really going on? And then ultimately having to navigate the whole process of your treatment, you know, um, what do you do first? You know, what's surgery going to be like? Uh, radiation, uh, how's that going to be? What kind of side effects or what kind of issues come up from that? Chemotherapy and all the things that uh, come along with those treatments. So, you know, obviously, physically, your body has to endure those treatments, but the emotional part and the mental state is, is a huge deal in terms of how women uh, get through all this. And so, um, just from my own personal experience, um, what I've seen is that women that seem to have a great support system, you know, caring family and friends that are going to be there for them and provide that emotional support, you know, they're just able to handle things better. Um, obviously it's easy to say, but having a positive mindset and trying to tackle this on and saying, look, we're just going to give it our best effort and, um, you know, really try to overcome this versus really allowing the diagnosis to overwhelm you and thinking that, oh my gosh, you know, you know, this is all this is going to end badly. No, you know, having that positive mindset helps women have that strength to, to get through these treatments and, you know, like I said, even though we've made a lot of advancements in terms of our treatment, there's no doubt these treatments can be difficult and hard um, physically as well as emotional, the emotional toll. So having that great support system, yeah. uh, having resources, and even just educating yourself that, you know, sometimes people hear, oh, I have to have radiation or chemo, and they hear all about the, the terrible possibilities or older family members that went through it. And then, like I said, today's treatments are so much better than what treatments were te five, 10 years ago. So sometimes just, you know, learning about that can help alleviate some of the angst and concerns. Yeah. And I think yeah. this is one of those things where, you know, if, you know, the, the internet can be, you know, very informative, but we also need to have a little bit of a filter because, you know, when you get online and start reading things, it can really be overwhelming and, and scary. The reality right. is, as you said, the support network with one in eight women, 
we're getting, we'll get this disease. You know, most of us either know somebody who has dealt with it or will deal with it. And so we can provide tremendous support. From my vantage point, I just want a quick word. I don't know how I would get through something like that without my spiritual foundation. So, you know, certainly prayer and, and all those things are also, I think, critically, critically important. Dr. Patel, unfortunately, we're out of time. How can people get hold of you? Uh, if they want more information about your practice or about potential treatment? Uh, yes. So, um, you know, my practice is Premier Radiation Oncology, affiliated with Tenova Healthcare. Um, you know, we have a website at uh, www.tenova.com, and our, our office number is 865-218-7081. So we are more than happy to help out anyone um, in need in terms of cancer education and um, got, um, helping navigate through the cancer process. Well, Dr. Patel, thank you so much for your time today as we've discussed a very important issue with women's health. Uh, thank you to Chris running the board. Thank you, Jill, producing the show as we've discussed women's health because greater health provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you for tuning in. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a great, great weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.